Hi, and welcome to episode 109 of the Crafty Planner podcast. My name is Sandy Hazelwood, and I will be your host. Through the podcast, I share the stories of makers in our community to inspire you on your own creative journey. Today's episode is sponsored by Imagine Nats. Imagine Nats is a one-stop shop for apparel fabrics, printed and digital patterns, as well as notions. Along with everything you need to stitch a handmade wardrobe, you can also find sewing and crafting inspiration on the Imagine Nats blog, including pattern reviews, fabric information, and crafting tutorials. You can see it all at imaginenats.com. I-M-A-G-I-N-E-G-N-A-T-S dot com. You can also use coupon code May for 10% off of all regularly priced items for the entire month of May. Before I introduce today's guest, I wanted to let you know about the podcast that I'll be publishing in the month of May. With the exception of my interview with Quilty Box curator Alex Anderson, I'm dedicating May to garment sewing. Inspired by the Me Made May movement, I want to encourage others to make their own clothing, buy handmade, or just be more conscientious about our clothing choices. So today's guest is Kelly Ward of True Bias. Living in Denver, Colorado, Kelly is a pattern designer, garment maker, wife, and mother. During our discussion, we talk about finding your identity as a mother, following your passion in your career, how she sources fabric, and the background behind her Hudson pants, Southport dress, and Lodo dress patterns. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Kelly. Hey, Sandy. How's it going? Good. How are you? I am really good. Super excited to talk to you today. And I'm super excited to talk to you. I say that all the time. I really do mean it though. Like I, <laughs> I, people are always saying, how do you pick your guest? I'm like, it's the people that make me super excited. It's not, it's not complicated. I it's, think that's a pretty good way to go about it. It'll be sincere, right? It's sincere. And what's funny is... Um, just to sidestep the creative journey question for a second, I've heard you answer the question of what do you use for your inspiration? And, you know, how do you plan out your next pattern? And you're like, it's things that make me super excited. So I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. Because if you're excited, your passion is in it and you can see yeah. it in everything you do. Um, so totally. It's worked out well for me so far. So, you know, <laughs> correct. I agree. I agree. So tell me about your creative journey. Okay. So my creative journey. Um, so I think it's kind of honestly similar to a lot of people's. Um, I grew up in a family. I'm number four of eight kids. Mm. So really big family. So as you can imagine, things like thriftiness and DIY, um, hand-me-downs, those were all not only like a part of my life, but also something that was valued in my life, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so my mom sewed, my grandma sewed, um, I I just like remember that always being around, like my mom always had a sewing room. So, Mm. um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the best thing is that my mom always let me use her stuff. Mm -hmm. So I would often just like go in there with scraps and just kind of like play around and like see what I could make. And yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like definitely where it started. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Do you want me to keep going into like... <laughs> well, you've had an interesting uh, geographic history too, uh, yeah. right? Because you you started in San Antonio yeah. and then you were in Alabama 
And then at mm-hmm. some point you went to Utah and that's when you met your husband, right? Yes. And then you were at NYC. Maybe we can start in <laughs> New York because I feel like that's the second really big part of your creative journey. Definitely. So yeah, because my undergrad was actually in photography. And then when we moved to New York City, you know, I was in this really weird place in my life. I had, um, I already had a daughter and she was three and I um, then had my second child, my last child, um, my little boy. And through that, you know, through both moving to New York City and also having kids, I've, I kind of lost my photography business and the thought of restarting it seemed daunting and overwhelming and just not something I was kind of burned out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was sewing all the time. I had a sewing uh, blog already. So I had started True Bias as just a way to express myself, connect with other people, have something to do, feel motivated. And I kind of came to this point where I was like, I've got to figure this out. Like I've got Mm -hmm. to do something with my life. Um, I I think a lot of people can relate to the fact that when you have, after having a child, especially, there's kind of this, I don't know, you're trying to, I forget kind of the word for it, but I don't know, a crisis of identity, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, I'm going to be back in the workforce in like three years, probably, maybe less. And at this point, my skill set would put me, I don't know, I'd have to be like a receptionist somewhere, which is a legitimate job, but not something I was passionate about. Yeah. And so I decided to um, get a little bit more serious about the sewing business. And I went back to school at FIT, which was huge. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was a big decision and something I will never, ever regret. I loved it. Um, Yeah, so I went back to school at FIT um, and started taking pattern making classes. And I quickly learned that I not only was good at it, but I loved it. And that this is something that I could totally see myself turning into a business. Um, And I don't know. I just kind of jumped right in, honestly. So when you took classes, were you thinking at that time that you wanted to be a pattern designer? Or was it that you were just interested in advancing your skills? Um, I definitely was. The thought was in my mind. You know, I Mm -hmm. had seen it um, mirrored. It, It wasn't what it is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a few players in the scene. There was Grainline, there was Colette, um, of course, like Liesel, um of Oliver and S. So there was a few people doing independent pattern making, but there was not, I mean, I don't even, I mean, I probably know a fourth of the pattern makers out there right now. Like I, there's so many people doing independent pattern design now. But yeah, so I, I knew that it, could happen. I just wasn't confident yet in my skills. So I wasn't a hundred percent sure that it was going to work out Mm -hmm. um, until probably after the first or second semester. And then I was like, no, I'm doing this. I'm finishing this. And yeah, this is going to be something. So going back to that idea of identity, and it's kind of funny because that's what I wrote down when I had read about your thoughts on, you know, going to FIT was that it really was about, is this maybe kind of quote unquote only, you know, is my only role now as a mother when I still have all this other passion and you started out in another career and then had a child. And I kind of had that same experience, you know, where it's Mm -hmm. like I had a career and now 
I'm a mom, which is glorious. And if you can just do that, like both mentally and financially and emotionally, that is a glorious thing. I couldn't do all of that for lots of various reasons. And so then it's like, well, if you're making that choice at that moment in your, in your life and your career, then you definitely want to do something that you're passionate about. Right. Because like, you know what it's like, you could go into something you're not passionate about and you're not choosing that. So that's what I felt with you, that it was like, you knew you had this passion that maybe had just gone to the side for a little bit and that you were following this other passion, passion photography. And Mm -hmm. Lord knows you use it now, that skill set. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. I am thankful for my background. Yeah, in addition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I like the idea that if you have the ability to follow a passion that you should and that maybe it'd be, quote unquote, easier to do something that you know, but is that going to make you happy? Exactly. You know, I'm so thankful. I look back now on me choosing to do that. And it was risky. I mean, I had to ask my husband, you know, to really sacrifice a little bit in his career so that I could mm-hmm. further my career. And that's a hard, you know, that was a hard ask of me because I had chosen to stay home with our kids. But for us to kind of meet in the middle more, at that same time, my husband and I were also in the process of leaving our faith tradition, which was extremely traumatic for us. Mm. And so, I, looking back on it, but all happened at the same time. Here I am going through like, you know, postpartum in some aspects, you know, really looking for a sense of identity again and um, a place to kind of, I don't know, fill a void in my life. Like, Mm -hmm. and because of that, I was able to jump in so headstrong Yeah, and you know, and it had to be something I was passionate about. And I'm so thankful for it because it gave me a new community, a new sense of purpose and, um, and fulfillment in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I also appreciate that you've said one of the reasons that you didn't just like jump in and start selling patterns, which we know happens, is that mm-hmm. you really felt like you wanted to do this in a properly trained way. Like, right. <laughs> so How has your pattern making, drafting, FIT experience changed what you look for when you look at clothes? Oh, yeah. That's really interesting. Well, for one thing, I mean, it it makes you look at the effort that goes behind clothing. Mm -hmm. You know, right now we're in the middle of, you know, the whole... um, Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but the, I made my clothes. Fashion revolution. Yeah, fashion yeah, yeah, yeah. Revolution. It's the week. Yeah. We're recording the during week. the week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's a real thing. You know, mm-hmm. like I look at a pair of clothing in H&M or Forever 21 and sure, you know, like all of those brands kind of have some like conscious brands and them whatever. And I'm not trying to judge. I would be lying if I said I never bought an H&M t-shirt for my child. Yeah. Um, but you look at it differently. You look at your choices um, more intentionally at the things that you buy. Um, and it also, I don't know, makes you maybe think harder about like what you want to sew and, you know, how you want to spend your time. Um, yeah. Creating something that's worthwhile that, you know, you can get a lot of wear out of for sure. 
Yeah. I mean, I love that we're recording in, in Fashion Revolution Week, which is the last week in um, April. And then now we're going to publish this on the first day of May, which is at the beginning <laughs> of Me Made May. And yeah. I have to say, what was it? Two, two years ago, I think, was my first like acknowledgement of me seeing all these me made may things and going, this is fantastic. And I remember last year, like, okay, am I ready? And I think I went into this, like making, like I need to make, so I have enough. And this year I'm like, wait, (laughs) maybe I need to remember that (laughs) the foundations (laughs) is not to keep making, but like figuring out what I have that is already handmade or being more conscientious about my purchases Mm -hmm. and then also being more conscientious about what I make. And so the idea of like capsule, you know, wardrobes and, or I sat there and said, yes, I would love to make whatever pattern, but I'm like, do I actually need that? Is that something I'm going to continuously wear? Um, I mean, I just bought the Lodo pattern that you've come out with and we're going to talk about that a little bit. It's not my first true bias. I have a Southport too. Um, But you know, it's like, okay, but that's something I could see myself wearing all the time and I could dress it up and I can dress it down. And so what patterns I buy is even more of an extension of the conscious thought process behind that? Like, what am I really going to get out of this? You talk about grain line. I feel like Jen's mm-hmm. patterns are the same way. Like these are 100%. wardrobe pieces. Um, but how do you feel about me made May? I know you're a devoted mm-hmm. follower and you I post too. <laughs> <laughs> I love me made May. Me made May. I had to I say that slowly. Um, you know, there's lots of these kind of things where it's like post you know, something on Instagram for a month. This is the only one that I do of all of those kind of things. Most of them feel like a burden, but this feels something that, I don't know, it's a program that makes me feel like I wear the clothes that I make. It makes me more intentional about what I make. Um, It's also a way for me to see what other people are making of my patterns. And Mm -hmm. it, I feel like a million bucks every day of me made made because people tag me and I can see them wearing it because usually you don't see. You, I mean, maybe they'll post something that when they're the first time right after they make it, but to see people using it in their real lives, yeah, it blows my mind, honestly, you yeah. know, blows my mind. It's really, really exciting for me and me wearing them too. And I try to promote other people's patterns that I wear a lot as well. Um, it's just an exciting time to kind of like celebrate actually using the things that we're making throughout the whole year. Yeah. And I wonder if I should think about it for my daughter too, because she wears a lot of handmade things, whether or not I've made them or somebody's made them for her. And then I last year sort of realized only because it wasn't what I'm used to, but I was like, oh yeah, knitted things too. You know, things that I also live in San Diego. So like, you know, there's not a lot of like (laughs) knitted things that happen in the spring, right? I mean, but I'm also was like, oh yeah, that, you know, like scarves I've made or socks people have made me, um, you know, I'm really just thinking about those things too. And then Mm -hmm. I'm, working on underwear. I, yeah, that's yes. its own thing, but, um, you know, so I'm like, Oh, so you may not see everything that's me. Made me. <laughs> Just gonna have to trust me on some of those things, like, or them on me at least, you know, that's the next level. I think I, I'm not ready to do it this year, but I think next year I will try to have all my underwear also be me made May. Mm-hmm. Um, I have just barely dipped my toe in the bra making and I love it. Yeah. I love it so much, but I'm, I don't have the fit a hundred percent yet. So I'm not like cranking them out. There's still a learning process there. So next year. 
Yeah. No, I know. I, I have bras reserved for later in the year. Yes. <laughs> I'm just working on stretch knit. Like that's yeah. why I bought Lodo. Cause I'm like, this is a good, you know, start for me to mess with my knit and, you know, mm-hmm. you combine the woven and the knit. So that makes it a little bit like easier and it's more stable knit, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, knit's wonderful for that. My next pattern's knit also. And I feel like, well, I don't know. The Southport has been really, really popular, but most of my knit patterns people really like, cause they're so easy to wear every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Hudson's are knits, right? Mm-hmm. They are. Yeah, definitely my best pattern. Mm-hmm. The Hudson pants are the. Oh yeah, yeah. Are, are the yeah, most. I was going to ask you what's the most popular. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can rock that look. I'll have to try it. <laughs> <laughs> try it, you might like it. I don't, oh, I know. Have our cookies. Come to the dark side. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I see how it goes. How do you feel that garment making has affected the way that you view your body? Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, for one thing, it makes you think a little bit more about, at least myself, it makes me think more about um, how I can make myself look good Hmm. um, versus how I can, like in, like how I can make something that'll look good on me versus myself fitting into something that someone else has made, if that makes sense. Like I can make small adjustments or I know that certain things are more flattering, but then on the other, I'm kind of in this weird place right now where I'm like, I don't care if things are flattering anymore. I'm sick (laughs) of like only caring about the male gaze and the whole like, you know, I can only make something if it, if it's good for someone who is short, like I am or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm like, F that, like I want to make things that make me feel creative, make me feel comfortable, make me feel confident. And sometimes that means flattering. And sometimes that means bold, or sometimes that means trendy, or sometimes that means cool. So I don't know. I don't know if that really answered your question, but it's something I have been thinking a lot about lately is making things that I care about and not seeing it through how other people view me, if Mm -hmm. that makes any sense. No, it does. And I think also when you have had children and your body changes and if you're really in tune to what your body was like before and then you you notice all these changes it's like well what's the goal of clothes you know is it mm-hmm. to keep you warm which is valid right like right. keep you protected then is it like to make sure people aren't staring at you or to hide imperfections or is it to celebrate your body at any size or at any way mm-hmm. and then is the celebration for yourself or is a celebration for somebody else you know right. i think it's it becomes more conscientious when you're making something because you are putting way more thought into it whereas you're if you're in a ready to wear store you're like here's your choices and then it's just about that choice Right. Well, and I also think it for me, I'm, I know a lot of people say like, don't sew trendy things. I'm not on that bandwagon at all. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like sewing allows you the flexibility to try things that Mm -hmm. maybe are out of your comfort zone. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of fun because for me, sewing is not only about the end product. Sewing is also about a learning process. Sewing is, I'm, I enjoy the you know, I enjoy picking up the fabric and putting it with something else. I also enjoy supporting certain designers. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of aspects of sewing a garment um, that are not just to me about putting something on my body. So mm-hmm. I don't know. 
go bold, go trendy, have some fun <laughs> with things. Uh, well, that's me. well, I do think that like, you know, if you're spending all this time making something, you should love it. You know, I mean, yeah. in some way or another, I mean, I know this year I've decided I was going to do garment sewing challenge. And so every month I make at least one piece of something. Mm-hmm. And um, last month I was making the Springfield tank from Cashmerette. And mm. I didn't want to cut into this buttery wall on a Maria Horner, like, yeah. like yellow that I've piece that I've had for a while. And I was finally like, when am I going to do it? If I don't do it now, like even if I lose weight, which I have been, thank you. But, you know, it's like it'll still be a piece in my collection. I could cut it and salvage it afterwards if I needed to. Like, I think it's let's just do it now. Like, let's use the good stuff. Let's celebrate it because that's what making is about. Right. Right. And then you can justify buying other good stuff. Because you use that good stuff, right? Don't tell my husband that. Don't tell him that's (laughs) really the secret plan. Yeah. No, it is hard though. I mean, I I feel like I waffle back and forth between being like, who cares what people think? This is my body at whatever size (laughs) to, it's just super hard because I model my own clothes and I am constantly reminding myself because I'm taking pictures of myself on a daily basis or I don't fit into something that I used to make. So there's, I mean, it's just not easy, no matter how like forward thinking or progressive or body conscious we are. Having babies is hard. Aging is hard. Bodies are hard. Whether it's because of ourself or because of, you know, or a product of our culture, it's just hard. (laughs) But what is your favorite outfit that you wear when you want to feel amazing? Ooh, well, I think, I honestly think right now it's my Lodo dress, okay. my black one. I am a, I like black. I think it's the New York City in me still. <laughs> Definitely. <makes> me still <laughs> chic. It makes me, I don't know. I just like I can dress it up, dress it down. So my black midi length Lodo dress is my go-to right now. I put like a bold long necklace with it and, you know, maybe some like boho sandals. And I feel like I can go to the store or I can put heels on and go out to dinner with my husband. And so I'm a big fan. I mean, not to like toot my own horn. But, <laughs> but I know you also designed it because that's what you were looking for. You know, that was like the thing that you felt was missing in your wardrobe. You know, like you, we talked about the Southport dress, which is a longer dress, but it's designed for woven mm-hmm. and Lodo is knit and it's a V-neck and you have like a different, a few different options in terms of length, um, mm-hmm. but it's kind of cocoon shaped. Yeah. And, you know, so when I looked at it too, I felt the same thing. I'm like, well, this is something that I feel with the right fabric choice, like this is something mm-hmm. I could wear all the time, whether or not it's like a blue or brown, you know, like I just had a lot of choices that I felt like I could 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 use um, making it. And so I think, yeah, when you're really thinking about if we're spending more money, if we're spending more money for fabric and we're being very conscientious about our choices, you know, mm-hmm. then what exactly is the best use of our time and our money? Right. Yeah. Something that you can, yeah, dress up, dress down. I, I feel like that's kind of my sweet spot when I design patterns. And it's mm-hmm. not, it's not really something I do intentionally. It just happens to happen because that's what I wear. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have places to wear fancy dresses. I just don't. Mm-hmm. So if a dress won't work um, for going to the store or going to brunch, that's about as fancy as I get. <laughs> so it's got to work for those two options or mm-hmm. I'm not going to make it. There are other people who do amazing pardon dresses. I like 
drool over by Ham London's party mm-hmm. dress line. Yeah. Um, and I can kind of justify making one a year for like my husband's Christmas party, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so your Lodo sew along finished on Friday. So do you plan mm-hmm. to have sew alongs for all of your patterns? And what is the value of that process for you? Yeah, I'm a big fan of sew alongs. So I know that some designers are kind of moving away from sew alongs right now or kind of using them as like an add-on, which I understand. I totally understand because there's so much work that goes into a sew along. Yeah. Um, but my personal just like feeling is it's one of the perks of working with an indie designer. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get that with the big four. You don't get sew alongs, at least generally. Mm-hmm. And so if I that's one thing I can provide where people can, you know, be a, a new sewist and they can sit down with my sew along and they can get a quality finished product in the same way that somebody who has been sewing for a couple of years. Um, so I'm hundred percent behind it. I will probably always do it for my patterns. Maybe not. I, I didn't do it for all my kids ones because they're so similar to my adult patterns. Yeah. Um, and I honestly am kind of phasing out kid patterns anyways. Mm. So. Yeah, which is sad, but I was going to ask you about that because I like that you make little mini versions of your <laughs> of your patterns. I love them. I love them. And when I first started, I'm like, "This is a brilliant idea. People are going to love this because they're more modern looking than like yeah. some of the other things you can get out there." But what I've just learned is, people, the vast majority of home sewists do not have the same preference for kid styles as I do. Oh. Most of them like something with a little bit more ruffle on it or a little bit more, I don't know. Cutesy? Yeah, I was like, is cutesy <laughs> the right word? I'm not sure. Which is totally fine. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if it doesn't sell, it doesn't sell. I just, this year, I sat down with kind of like all my books and figuring out, you know, how things have sold. And I mean, I sell, I mean, honestly, like, one-tenth the amount of kids' patterns as mm. I do for the same patterns I women. And it just doesn't make sense going forward. If there's like a real passion project one, I might still pop it in. I'm dying to make a little girl version of the Roscoe still because mm-hmm. I just love that style. And I yeah. think a little boho girl is like my favorite thing ever. Yeah. So I still want to pop that one out, but I don't know. It's yeah. not going to be all of them for sure. Plus my yeah. kids are getting older, so doesn't make as much sense for me just personally either. Yeah. You don't have as many little models going on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I will say the mini hoods and pants have done extremely well, but they're my only kids pattern that has really done well. Yeah. No, it's hard to make those financial decisions again when we're talking about passion projects, you know, like, because you still have to make money. You gotta make money. (laughs) And I mean, even though the kids patterns, I mean, they're not as hard as my adult ones because I've already made a pattern, you know, so like there's, there's, it helps with the process, but I can still, then I'd be able to put out more women's patterns, which is really what I feel like my demographic wants. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm known for kids patterns. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's just not my audience. Yeah. Whereas I think somebody like Liesl Gibson and Oliver and us, I mean, that is her target that's our her audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what she what she is and what she's really good at too. I think, you know. Um, even though she said on the podcast, but also she wrote about it recently, I think this week, that um y- you know, people 
people were asking her in her question and answer post that she has, like, are you going to make more men's clothes or boys clothes that it's really Mm -hmm. hard to find? And she said, like, they just don't sell as well. And so, you know, when you put in the time to draft them, create them. And then if you're printing them, especially, you know, I mean, and then the promotion there's, it's, it's gotta be more than just something that you love. And she said like, she'll introduce one every so often. Like she kind of just like pops one in, but you know, like, is it a bestseller? It hasn't been so far. Maybe it will be, but it hasn't been so far. And so how do you make that decision? Yeah. I think they're hard for, it's hard for multiple reasons. Cause I have the men's Hudson pan, which is done fair. Mm -hmm. I will say, but two things. One thing, there's just not as many men sewists, right? Mm-hmm. Out there. And, you know, women do sometimes make them for their significant others, which is good. But for me, I think the real killer is they're never self-promoted. Mm, so that's if, true. If you yeah. look at men's heads and pants on Instagram, there are just a few because keep, these men don't want to model them on their wives or significant others' Instagram, or they don't have their own Instagram where they're going to promote themselves. So there's just not this organic growth of the pattern like there are for other patterns where people self-promote. That may, I hadn't even considered that at all. I was thinking about just like you promoting it as the designer, but I hadn't thought about the organic It's huge. Promotion. The organic yeah. is huge huge that's why me made me is also great you know Mm -hmm. like people just organically see each other and think oh I never thought of it in that color or that fabric Mm -hmm. and Well, that's what I love it too. Also, because for me as not being like a straight size person, I get to see a lot of plus size designers Mm -hmm. or, you know, things modeled. And so it's nice to see others in that way. And then there's so DIY and she's like Mm -hmm. a tall. um, So she's like doing this tall, like people (laughs) sewing things. So I'm like, yeah, so now I get to see tall. I mean, I'm not very tall. I'm five, six. I think you design for five, five, right? I do, but I am five, three. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's so I, mean, I have to shorten my own patterns myself. <laughs> but I think that's excellent and something that um I don't think I can say that she said this to me. So somebody that has said to me who designs a lot of patterns that we all know, but has uh-huh. said to me like she isn't even her body type that she mm-hmm. designs for. So every time she makes one of her own patterns, she's short waisted. So she cuts them, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. To adjust, but she's like, but she knows that not a lot of other people are. So she's designing it for like a base model of what she thinks the average woman is, as opposed to what she actually is, which I have a lot exactly. of respect for that. You know what I mean? Knowing that like not everybody is five, three, or I don't know right. how tall. So DIY is, but I know she's tall. Um, she looks tall. She looks tall. <laughs> um, sorry. We keep talking about I you know. being tall, but I well, mean, I'm, I'm like interested envious. in the That's tall. Why. Oh. <laughs> and she's really nice. Um, but you know what I mean? So it's like, it's just, you get to see more people that look like you, whatever you look like, right? Tall, short, a little bigger, a little rounder, you know, and you get to see them in their own clothes and what they love. And I also find, yeah, you might make one thing once, but then, Mm -hmm. like you said, you get to see what people actually wear every day, you know, which is sometimes a different story. It's such a different story and a good reminder for myself to make stuff that I wear every day. Yeah. 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 I'm, um, I'm reading The Curated Closet. Have you read that book? No, but I want to. I've seen it. Oh. Yeah. And I and I follow a lot of people that do these like 10 by 10 challenges. And stuff, yeah. So I'm like, oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, just be careful if you pick up this book oh, no. because you will. I mean, I've donated and given away a lot of my closet based off of that book, but it's a little bit more than like the 
Marie Kondo, is that her name? It's more than just like, does this give you joy? You know, right. <laughs> no, it's, it's a little bit more focused than that um, in a good way, I think. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even people who design for a living, I saw somebody post the other day, like, she's like, I hate 90% of my wardrobe. So oh, I was like, no. oh, okay, bye-bye. You know, I just like envisioning what that's like. So. That's hard though, because I will yeah. say as somebody who like, like I make my living off of Making like, clothes. Like my wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. And and cr- sometimes I have to create things. I feel like that will sell my pattern. Yeah. Not that I don't like the thing, but like I would make every single thing in black if it was just about me. But I yes. can't sell black clothing. Yeah. So I make things in print and stuff that I know, you know, other people will relate a little bit easier to. Yeah. Um, so I do end up with stuff in my wardrobe, something sometimes a little brighter than I normally yes. do. And yeah. it just doesn't get worn. That is hard. Except for I want the dress that just came up. Was it yesterday? We're recording on Wednesday, everybody. So like, or Wednesday before <laughs> we're publishing. So I think it was... Um, what you did for indie so using fabric yeah. from the fabric store which i'm like in love with the fabric oh, store, I love that store so much. yes yeah it's pretty cool um it, because i like being able to touch things and see colors and stuff like most of my shopping is online um but like when i get to la and i have like the chance to like just like oogle over stuff i like that store but it was like this wrap v-neck dress in black and you you, make it well you I could tell you felt in love with it you always look great in your pictures but those were ones that were just like you were just glowing in that dress you know what I mean so I was like oh I know she loves this one (laughs) I love it so that dress is it's from Allie of Indie So she designed it um it's called the Highlands dress and it's a wrap dress and the nice thing what I think is so great about it is it has a sleeve option too, because I know mm-hmm. not everybody likes a sleeveless option. And the sleeve is that cool, like it's the long, it's not like the cap sleeve, which I feel yeah, like is limiting kind of more out. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it hits at a weird place. I yeah. feel like a cap sleeve always hits at like your muscle, which is not flattering, but so it's that longer kind of 1990s throwback sleeve. It's, I, I love that dress so much. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was loving that dress yesterday too. I was like, it looks like really it. good. I'm liking how she's liking that. Yeah, no, I know that's the other thing about me, Mae Mae, is that then you end up getting a longer list. But, you know, I mean, I like seeing things in reality. You know, like I like mm-hmm. seeing how people actually make things. And I'm excited about this month, you know, to just yeah. see the diversity. And I love following the hashtags and, you know, yeah. seeing what everybody's got going on. And, um, it's also nice to see color combinations that you might not see on a runway or you might not see in a fashion magazine yeah. because then it's really about like, what do people feel comfortable and what do they look good in? Yeah. And, and how they style it. Like I always think it's fun to see how people layer things or like wearing it with hats and big necklaces. I'm like, Oh, do not yeah. look at me for styling. <laughs> I am pure <laughs> utility. And actually I realized a long time ago that I would, I bought all black and I don't necessarily look great in black. Like I look much better mm-hmm. in Brown. Well, and like, I probably do too, but I don't care. <laughs> It's the New Yorker in you. I know. If you put red lipstick on, you look good in black. That's what I've decided. Because then you get the pop of color. That's all you need. That's true, maybe. I don't know. I've had to see myself like in video and was watching back something in video and I was wearing a like a beautifully tailored black suit. So I felt like awesome that day. And then yeah. I looked and I was like, oh my gosh, I just look washed out. Aww. And so I'm like, 
Uh, maybe brown. Brown might be better. Like, <laughs> and I do like brown. So one thing I'm interested with Me Made May this year is um, since last year they've come up with the video. You know, like the Insta stories. Mm. I wonder if oh. people will do more video instead of pictures. I saw somebody say. And I can't remember, Meg, it might've been you. And if it wasn't, I'm sorry, but um, me probably. no, no, no. I think it was Meg. Do you know Meg uh, Meg from, is it crafting and cooking? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's Meg Rett 79 or something. She's one of my testers. She's awesome. She, I love her to death and she's like almost the same size as me. So I'm like, I'm just going to steal your closet. Just steal it. (laughs) Doppelganger. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But I think she was actually trying to prepare and was saying maybe she would do a story every day. And then at the end of the week, like just post the swipe to the left. I'm sorry for all you people that do not use Instagram. Like we we're sorry. We're really deep in the Instagram at the moment, but like it's, it's a great way to see those kind of quick things. And I know I sort of felt like, Oh my God, it's another selfie of me wearing clothes every day. But I hope people still kind of do that because the stories go away. And Mm -hmm. yes, you could do the, you know, like, here's my seven shots. But I like the daily inspiration. I might miss that seven day shot of you, whereas I might catch three of the seven, you know, in my feed and stuff like that. And like you said, like, if I go back and, you know, um, search a hashtag, it won't come up if it's in the video. Exactly. Yeah. So vice for people that are thinking about this. I don't, I know, I know you don't want a lot of selfies maybe, but there's some of us that stock, I mean, look at like (laughs) the hashtags and want to see your dailies and that might get lost in your stories. So no, it's huge. I mean, before I make any pattern, I go to Instagram and search the hashtag every Mm -hmm. single time. So I can, like you said, see it on different body types, see, you know, like how people have done variations. So it's actually a really kind of a big deal, but I also feel the selfie thing. Yeah. Cause I feel like it takes over my Instagram feed and it just doesn't look as cute. Like, yeah, I yeah, I know. Well, maybe we'll just, we have to get over it for May or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like, and I do have repeat patterns, so I don't want to take like two of the same pictures. I don't know, but, um, we'll see. I'm excited for the month. And, um, I think there are more people that I follow maybe that. So, and I also feel like there are more gar- garment sewers. So maybe we'll, um, see even more than we did last year. I sure hope so. Yeah. I am a big fan of me, May, May, and garment <laughs> sewing. So, yes. So, how do you source your fabric? You know, do you consider or prioritize sustainable fabrics when you're looking? Oh, that is hard. I mean, I mean, I definitely like from an idealist perspective, I do. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's hard because, like we've talked about, I need to find certain fabrics to sell my products, right? So I can't always prioritize um, a certain, yeah, I can't always prioritize a certain fabric if it doesn't look better with my pattern, you know, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, that being said, I'm a huge thrifter. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I just made my daughter a dress out of, um, I think it was an old Target tablecloth that mm. I got for two bucks at the thrift store. So I'm <laughs> all about that. I love, I make all my kids mini Hudson pants out of old sweatshirts that I find at the thrift store. So mm. I'm big at that. Um, I do sustainable when I can or promote, promote small companies when I can. I've tried mm-hmm. to start pulling away from the bigger chain stores as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I think it's always a bad thing. Like I understand thriftiness and needing to use a coupon to buy fabric. I have yeah. been there. Yeah. I grew up that way. 
Um, but I'm at a place now where promoting small businesses helps me more than getting a coupon at a bigger store, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does make sense. It's it's definitely a balance. I mean, I get, like you said, both sides of it. You know, sometimes you don't have a lot of money to spend on something. Um, mm-hmm. But I do find that that's also the opportunity when I challenged myself to think about what are my options. Yeah. Um, like somebody yesterday said to me that they felt like books were something that they always, always buy. And it was kind of like an experience not an expendable thing, but not something they think about. And I was Mm -hmm. like, wow, I am not at that place. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I go to the thrift stores and I look for old sewing books. And if I want to buy a new craft book, I usually request it from the library first or look at somebody's and really make sure that I'm going to use that book. And so when I say I love a book, it's because I genuinely love it. And like, I've paid for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, I, and I use it over and over. Yeah. And I have friends who have written books and I generally ask them first, like, are you going to sell the book? Cause if they're going to sell the book, then I will mm-hmm. buy it from them. Um, and yes, I will pay more, but I feel like I am, I am giving back to them what I know they've put into their book. Um, like the curated closet. I borrowed yes. it twice from the library before. I was like, okay, I got a face that like, <laughs> I'm going to need this book. Like, the library is the best though. I, uh, yeah. I, I'm the same. I get yeah. so many craft books from the library. And usually when I get a craft book from the library, nobody else has ever used the patterns in the back of it. I'm almost always the first one. I'm like, come yeah. on, people. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Well, and we talked a little bit about how you'd moved all over and, and learned um, at FIT in New York. But now you're in Denver, and you know I love Denver um, mm-hmm. for many reasons, many, many reasons. Um, but I also saw that you started taking classes. Is it the Denver Design? Yeah, Incubator. I, incubator. I was like, that sounds really cool. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah, so I've only taken one class so far with them, and it was really fun because there was a few of us. So Mm-hmm. Um, Sobon and Indiso oh, and yeah. patterns, all of us did it together. Oh, how fun. I know. Um, it is kind of amazing that there's so many of us right here, actually. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but there's this woman who's wonderful and is also a transplant from New York City. She used to work for tons of big companies as, you know, their ha- head pattern maker. So she has this, you know, amazing knowledge. Um, yeah. So I, I, I wish I, had the time to take her classes on repeat. They're on Saturday mornings, which is tricky with young kids with sports and everything like that. But um, yeah, I think I'll continue to take classes, you know, Mm -hmm. whenever I can. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love the idea that you're still taking classes. You know what I mean? There's always something to learn and that Denver has those opportunities for you that may be a little bit different than New York, but still. <laughs> it is a little different, but it's also a lot more affordable. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, um, you know, like I said, we have this amazing transplant from New York City who is, I think, just as knowledgeable as, you know, some of my teachers at FIT. So she's great. I'm also a big proponent for online classes. So mm-hmm. I take, I'm taking a bra making class right now through Craftsy. Um, I just, I have to keep learning. That's mm-hmm. important to me. Which Craftsy is in Denver. <laughs> That's true. It is. It's right here. Are you taking it with That's... Beverly Johnson? Yeah. 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 I am. She is. She's the, amazing. Yeah. She is. She's the like the godmother, mother. isn't she? Yeah. Like yeah. She's and um, people who've really wanted to 
you know, delve into bra making, have taken classes with her and start, started or continued, you know, their education mm-hmm. there. I was thinking about Norma from Orange Lingerie. Oh, that's like, right. Taking classes with her and stuff like that. So I know I will, I'm telling you, I'm going to get there this later this year. I'm going to get to so fun. It is weird though. I will say, because I, I consider myself a pretty, you know, knowledgeable sewist, mm-hmm. but it's so foreign, like making bras. It feels like I'm learning a whole new craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously like some of it's the same, but like, I don't understand all the lingo and yeah. you have to be so precise. And I think that's <laughs> why it's taken me so long to get it down. It, it is it's challenging in a, in a really exciting way to have something that's challenging again. It's really yeah. fun. I'm taking um, classes with a uh, garment designer, like, cause <laughs> I want to work on fit. And so she, cool. she always makes these jokes. And I think this is true. She's like, I can always tell people like you that started quilting first versus somebody who started <laughs> garments. Cause she's like, you're so precise. Or like, I'll start chain piecing hem or, you know, like side seams and stuff. She's like, yeah, you're, yeah, you started out as quilting first. So I think like with bras, because if you start as like a quilter and you're used to like quarter inch seam allowances and stuff like That's that, true. then you're, you're almost more equipped, I think, to make that transition to the bras easier. Whereas I know my garment making friends are like, oh, five eighths of a seam allowance. I'm like, That's huge. What are you talking it about? Is huge. Like, it is huge. Yeah, no, I consider myself a very intuitive sewer. If mm-hmm. that makes any sense, where my mother is a quilter. And That's so a, it, yeah. she like, when we sew together, it is so hard. Because I'll be like, mom, press up that hem, you know, does it look even? Like, mm-hmm. is it great? I mean, I'm not saying I don't measure my hems, but every yeah. once in a while, a little baby dress, and I'm gonna, you know, and my mom cannot handle it. Like, yeah. she has to measure every single thing. And so a dress that would take me 20 minutes mm-hmm. takes her two days. No. And it makes me insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm always like, so you want me to sew a seam and then I'm trimming it? Like, what? Can I just sew it? Like, why do I have to sew it and then trim it? You know, I don't know. Like that is true. No, I mean my, so I actually do half inch seam allowances. I know some people do three eighths even for their well, oh, well yeah. because of that. Yeah. It's all because of fit so that you can take it out if you need to. That's why there's big seam allowances, but you're right. It's a but waste. if you trim it, right. I mean, I mean, yeah, I guess you could trim and just like be on the side, but I always think, you know, trimming, you're like trimming closer, but you're right. Like for kids stuff, I could see where you'd have a little bit extra. I don't know. I'm just like, yeah. if I'm just going to trim it, I'm just going to sew it to what that is. Or No, I, that makes sense. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. So how do you balance two kids and your work? Um, I don't balance it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> At all. So I feel like I'm currently in a real juggling act. Mm-hmm. Um, my youngest is in pre-K, like just a few mornings a week. Mm-hmm. So that's my dedicated work time. And then I fit a lot in, you know, at nights and stuff. But so he will be in school full time in the fall. And so I, I'm really hoping I can have a better sense of balance then. Mm-hmm. I'm really hoping so. <laughs> because it doesn't work well. I mean, we just had my husband and I, <laughs> I mean, this sounds silly, but we just had to make a rule a month ago that I can only work four nights a week. Yeah. Because I would work every night. So we have three nights a week that we do dates. So we do like Scrabble. Like the the rule is we can't be watching TV on those three nights. We have to be like interacting. So, you know, we'll like make cocktails and play Jenga or whatever (laughs) it is. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then those other four nights are like guilt-free work time. 
so that I can get done what I need to get done because I can't get it done during the day and those three mornings a week. It's not possible. But it's funny you say that because I also know that at least at the time of the interview I listened to with you, Mm -hmm. that you're a morning person like me. Yes. So I struggle because I need to work in the mornings. Like that's when I best work. So have you just become more of a night person or you suck it up and deal with it or (laughs) I mean yeah I've kind of changed I kind of changed my habits so I started drinking coffee for the first time in life Mm. so that has helped so much Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so that helps me be able to work at night and then I don't know you just have to you know I mean because the thing is my kids are morning people too so yeah I usually wake up to my son coming into cuddle with me sometime between 5 and 6 a.m. Yeah. And then I try to sleep for like the last hour as he's, like, you know, crawling on my head. Right. Mm-hmm. So I can't get work done in the morning. It's not realistic. Yeah. So if I'm going to get anything extra done, it has to happen at night. Yeah. It's just reality. Yeah. I wish that worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really drink coffee, but um, maybe, maybe I'll have to think about that. I don't know. Um, I like mo- I like my mornings. I work way better in the morning. So when I heard you say that on another interview, I was like, yes, another morning person. Um, and oh. it, it was Raina that was interviewing you. And she's like, I work well at night. And she's talking about like being up till midnight and her kids are up till midnight. I'm like, what? Like, oh, yeah. I wish like that is she's not. Having yeah. my, kids, no, my kids are like in bed at eight. Totally. Like, and if they're not, I'm going insane. I'm like, get up there. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know how those night people work. But um, <laughs> anyways, Kelly, I appreciate just our time together and everything that you've shared with me today. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. This was so much fun. I really appreciate it too. No problem. Thank you for listening and to Imagine Nats for sponsoring this podcast. A special thank you to those who support the podcast through your donations. I wouldn't be able to produce these episodes without you. If you have loved what you heard, I hope you'll consider leaving a review on iTunes or your podcast catcher. You can also find notes from today's episode on my website, craftyplanner.com. So until next time, stay crafty, my friends.